0: Who Gets to Decide? A liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host,
1: Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you are here and happy you are listening as always. Well, you know, the Twitter debacle or fiasco or circus or whatever you want to call it is heating up. Um you know there's there's people losing their minds literally on Twitter. Uh they don't understand why uh Elon Musk has come in there and fired them and they don't they don't uh they're afraid that they're going to lose their their uh mouthpiece which they should. I mean the government shouldn't have a mouthpiece. It should have a an aggressive, uh, hostile press that it has to contend with. Um, I mean, it's, it's in the constitution. In the constitution, we can redress our, uh, our government with grievances. One of the ways we do that is through the press, which obviously is also in the constitution. We have a, a free press. So, you know, why aren't we using it? Well, because the press has been co-opted and Uh, We've talked about that at length on this program. Now, it's starting to be rectified, right? You're starting to see some layoffs at CNN. None of these people deserve to have these jobs. They're not journalists. They're literally uh, figureheads for the regime. I mean, in in the very strictest sense, that's what they are. And uh, many of them are getting laid off. Why? Because financial pressures are starting to come to bear. You know, CNN is losing its audience. And you're going to see more and more of this, just like I said in yesterday's program, you know, as as economic reality begins to set in and funny money or dishonest money is what I like to call it, can no longer be slung around to, you know, the people that are willing to be bought off you're going to see some economic reality set in and um, and you know you're starting to see that at CNN but uh, Twitter on the other hand is going the other way they're trying to uh, be a voice albeit indirect through the population uh, an antagonist for the government uh, a voice of uh, a dissent um, for government policies government, uh, action, criticism for the government, which is what it should be. But you, it, it's just interesting how uh, different people see this as different realities. Uh, and we've talked about that before on this program. That how one group of people can look at one reality, and another group of people can see a completely different reality. It's like how does it, how does that even possible? And uh, well, it's possible, I suppose. If you allow like a bubble to persist, you know, where people are insulated from reality. Um, The great thing about economic reality, when it finally comes home to roost, is there's no escaping it, okay? The economic reality comes to bear on everybody. And if you're not doing something of value, then one day you wake up and there's no buyers for what you're selling. And everybody is selling something, okay? Okay. The people in the news are selling that their version of the news is better than somebody else's version of the news. But, you know, when economic reality sets in, people aren't buying anymore. And so we're starting to see this unfold in the economy. And, you know, Twitter and censorship and everything is right in the, in the middle of it. So today I have a couple of clips. I also have a clip from a Uh, that goes back to a a disgruntled employee from Twitter, and he explains why he should not have been laid off. It's very entertaining. I'm going to play it. But I'm going to first start with this clip of Elon Musk being interviewed uh, by Tom Fenton uh, with Judicial Watch. And, uh, And then Tom Fenton goes on to Fox, and we'll play a little bit of that interview as well.
2: Are you concerned, A, about the retaliation, and B, are you seeing evidence of it already?
3: Government is slow to act. I think it probably will be some actions, but they'll happen slowly. And it's only been a, it's only been a month so far. There's probably at least a few nefarious things that are in the works right now. But I'd say it would be uh, naive to assume that there are no nefarious things. We'll just expose them on Twitter and see what happens.
0: He went on to say, if I kill myself, it's not real. Elon did not kill himself. That's Elon Musk telling our next guest last night in a Twitter space that he definitely expects some government pushback as he exposes Twitter's history of censorship. So joining us now with more on that Q&A, Judicial Watch, President Tom Fitton. Tom, it was great to see you in there last night. We were both yeah, got a chance to talk to Elon Musk. I'm curious, what did you have in mind as you asked that question of Elon?
2: Well, I was concerned because I saw President Biden um, shortly after the election, in his uh, celebratory news conference, uh, talk about wanting a national security review of Elon Musk. And of course, you've had a series of Democratic senators also criticize him. And so one has to wonder whether he's gonna be targeted the way uh, Trump and others have been targeted uh, by the Biden administration, uh, You know, which as we also know, has very much an interest, a keen interest, in having censorship online continue they're devoted to quote policing misinformation and when anyone hears that that translates into censorship of Americans
1: i'm always amazed at how government will just tell you exactly what they're going to do <laughs> and uh and then proceed to do it now they don't come out and do it very publicly they work behind the scenes to do what they're going to to do what they're going to do so they're going to work behind the scenes. We're not going to know about it until Elon Musk tells us about it. But as you just heard there, he goes, look, I'm going to put it on Twitter and we're going to see what happens. I mean, he's basically throwing down the line. He's, he's drawn a line in the sand with the U.S. government and said, hey, look, you, censorship is not going to stand. So do what you got to do. And we'll put it on Twitter and see what happens. Now, what you have to remember is the, the government can shut down the Internet now. They can, they can shut down parts of the internet or the whole internet, Um, and so they might, I don't know, send somebody a billion dollars. I don't know if uh, if if Twitter is on somebody's ISP internet service provider or if Elon Musk is creating his own internet service provider to host Twitter, but they could. The the government could easily, you know, let's say it's uh, I don't know, uh, GoDaddy. Okay, they could throw GoDaddy a billion dollars. They'd say, hey, here's a billion dollars if you take Twitter off of your ISP. I mean, who knows what, what's possible, right? But, um, but, you know, this is a very public uh, fist fight with the U.S. federal government. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Now, you know, Elon Musk is a very powerful person, much much more powerful Than Donald Trump Uh, and he's well-liked although he's you know about half the country doesn't like uh, the tack he's taking uh, with censorship or the lack thereof and the other half does so we'll just have to see how it plays out but I just think this is interesting I also think it's interesting that he basically made a comment that yeah if I show up dead just know that it wasn't a suicide
2: And uh, one of the other interesting things he mentioned yesterday was he was going to look into uh, the portal that uh, Twitter has set up for friends, including Biden administration agencies, uh, to try to censor Americans. So I'd be interested to see what else is going to come out from the Twitter files in that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he talked about, I think they almost talked about it like a backdoor that government agencies could come into essentially the inner workings of Twitter and go ahead and avail themselves of, of the censorship tools. Um, that's something we need to know more about, Tom. I'm very interested in where this also went to other tech companies and what other topics.
1: So I'm not sure what all this is about, but this is shocking. So the government has a way some sort of portal access into Twitter and can look at what Americans are posting or use the actual misinformation, disinformation tools themselves to, to cull information from Twitter and sideline it or throttle it down or something. I mean, this is bizarre. I mean, the, he ought to just close that off, whatever that is. He ought to just eliminate it. Um, I guess it's just taking time. There's so many layers to this that he's got to, it's like peeling back an onion, right? You, you know, every time you turn around, I guess his first priority was to look at the algorithm and make sure that it wasn't favoring, you know, certain opinions over others. And now he's getting around to this portal thing. But it, it just sounds like there's all kinds of craziness that, that Twitter was you know, basically in league with the federal government to, to kind of control the narrative, which is, which is interesting. That's not what the news is. The news is not controlling the narrative. The news is reporting what happened, (laughs) but you know, the government is obsessed with controlling the narrative and evidently they found some willing actors there at Twitter to help them do that.
2: Well, the Biden administration has talked about having, a, quote a National Security Review, um, Treasury Secretary Yellen uh, suggested that uh, it might be in the offing as well. Uh, you've had Elizabeth Warren, you know, go after him on taxes. And remember, you know, uh, Twitter isn't his only company, uh, so right. he's probably seeing a host of regulatory actions against him. Or as he's suggesting, you know, they're beginning to sniff around. Uh, looking for something to go after him with. Uh, look, the left is desperate to preserve uh, the online censorship regime that it's been able to install through big tech in recent years. And Elon Musk is a, uh, you know, is it, it goes to the heart of that in terms of overturning uh, uh, the censorship and restoring free speech. On the online in the online marketplace, right. and uh, they're they're afraid of it. They're afraid of it because they they don't believe Americans have the right to free
1: speech, yeah, you know, I think I think the government is afraid of its people. Uh, it's afraid that it, it it's, its hold on power can't exist unless it controls the narrative. And of course, that runs counter to free speech and the right to speak um if 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 i have the right to speak um then it's hard for the government to control the narrative um essentially uh, twitter is just one giant town square and you know what they're trying to do would be analogous to sending um let's say you have a 100,000 people in a town square and they're rallying about something that rallying about something that would be analogous to trying to send, uh, 500,000 police into the town square to shut it down. That's kind of the power they hold with this, this portal and the regulatory and, um, um, uh, you know, the, the, the monopoly on the use of force and the regulatory apparatus, the legal system, you know, fortunately for us, uh, for all of us, even of those that don't like it, um, you know, Elon Musk is a very powerful person, has a lot of resources at his disposal, and can probably uh, stave this off as long as it's through the court system or something like that. If it's if it's through the executive branch, you know, they can um, arrest him, they can do all kinds of things to make his life hell. But if it stays in the legal system. I don't think there's any way the state uh, prevails. I mean, there's just no legal reason um, to do the things that they're doing. Um, And there's no legal reason for uh, Elon Musk to let something like this portal or uh, the government's access to Twitter um, uh, in this nefarious way. There's no reason for that to exist. No legal reason. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. All right. I'm going to switch gears for just a second because I have this clip from Twitter uh, from one of these employees that was fired. He was in the misinformation group and he censored stories. And this is along the lines of, of, of the two different realities that I was talking about. Uh, I I guess, I mean, I'm not sure what this is. Well, I'll tell you, I'll comment on what it is after I play it, but I just thought it was super entertaining and I didn't want to run out of time in today's show and not play this clip in case you didn't see it.
4: I'm demanding an apology from Elon Musk. Last week, I lost my position to Twitter working as a senior fact checker, which I had been doing for five years, making sure that misinformation did not reach the public that could potentially damage our democracy. And I was told that the reason I was fired is because I had labeled a story about Hillary Clinton misinformation. Now, this story was a story about how Hillary Clinton had smashed her phone with a hammer to hide 30,000 emails. Now, I labeled that story misinformation because Hillary Clinton did not personally smash her phone with a hammer. She asked, she requested that her aide smash her phone with a hammer. These are two totally different scenarios and i was simply pointing out that hillary clinton did not smash the phone with a hammer she asked somebody else to smash her phone with a hammer therefore the story about her smashing her phone to hide evidence is misinformation
1: this is simply a distinction without a difference but this guy thinks that this is a good reason to label something misinformation and this is who knows how many stories this happened on, right? But you know the, the thing I can the, the thing that comes to mind for me is like if you go to court and you put your left hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand, the judge will swear you in, right? He'll say, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God. Now the reason they ask it that way and don't just say, do you promise to tell the truth is because of situations like this, lies of omission, You know, there's just because you don't explicitly lie or you don't explicitly say something doesn't mean that it didn't happen or that it didn't happen the way you said it happened. And this is just a fundamental misunderstanding of this guy's job. Um, And certainly um, he thought this way because he was politically motivated to think this way. I mean, he 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 couldn't he couldn't separate his politics about Hillary Clinton and protecting her and her reputation from the job that he was hired to do at Twitter and you know this was a pretty consequential story i mean this is you know i mean should the person that posted it should they have accurately said that Hillary Clinton asked her a to smash her phone to hide emails Well, yeah, but the spirit of what happened is is still the same. The phone was smashed so that emails weren't leaked. That's the root of the story, not who actually smashed the phone. And the fact that Hillary Clinton directed this person to do it is no different than really her doing it herself. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. And so this guy, no one not understand why I was fired. And, you know, well, because you're an idiot, that's why you were fired, in case you need somebody to, you know, let you know why.
5: Well, you have to think that there was significant internal discussion in October 2020 when Twitter suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, there's a lot of record of that. Uh, there are some people uh, who were at Twitter at the time who are still there, although I would suspect most have left. Um, And there is a story to be told. And remember, you have to go back to what the story was. This was October 14th, 2020, 20 days before the election. The New York Post uh, publishes a story, and it's all about Joe Biden. It says that emails that were found on Hunter Biden's laptop showed that a uh ukrainian businessman who was an associate of hunter biden had sent an email to hunter thanking him for giving him the opportunity to meet the vice president Mm -hmm. that is hunter biden's father so it was always about the connection to joe biden
1: yeah i don't know if people remember this but not only did they say it was likely russian disinformation the other conversations that were going on about the laptop were that it was all about hunter biden and his depravity on there. And, and and so, you know, what Byron York is pointing out is, no, 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 it's always been about Joe Biden. The story is about Joe Biden. Nobody gives a shit about, you know, who, who uh, Hunter Biden uh, snorted crack or smoked crack with and what hookers he slept with. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is did Joe Biden use the government to enrich himself? Did he use his office and the, the power that that office represents to enrich himself and his family members, his brother, his son, his son's associates? And the answer is equivocally, yes, he did do that. And so what Elon Musk is going to be embarking on here is he's going to do a reveal He's going to be revealing uh, the inner conversations. If there were any documents, things like that from Twitter, he's going to make that public um, and share that with, uh, with the world. And (laughs) and I don't know, man, this is like, he's, he's picking a major fight with the, with the deep state, with the, the government types, you know, the, the intellectual class, Uh, The people that basically control government in a way that works for them. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out.
3: Uh, The deep state folks, that that includes John Brennan, who was former director of the CIA, and and Mr. Clapper, who was former DIA, who, who were vouching that this information that the New York Post had was Russian disinformation.
5: Yeah, that was, in retrospect, that was kind of a disinformation exercise itself, Uh, because you have to remember, this is October 2020. It's coming after years of Trump-Russia spectacular, sensational reporting and then debunking uh, that takes place in in the Mueller report, which said that uh, Mueller could not establish that collusion even took place, much less uh, who did it. So when, you, when, when October 2020 comes and this story is posted, it's almost natural, it's like a knee-jerk reaction for a number of uh, people such as Brendan Clapper, and others to say, oh, this is Russian disinformation. If you look at the letter that they all signed, they said it had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, which to them gave them wiggle room to say later, oh, I didn't say it was Russian disinformation, but in fact they strongly, strongly suggested it. and it gave a cover, it gave a rationale for an organization like Twitter to censor and suppress the story.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm sure that's all they needed to suppress that story and label it misinformation. I mean, look at the distinction in the Hillary Clinton story I just played for you. You know, whether she smashed her phone or she asked an aide to do it, that that was the thing that the guy hung his hat on, which he justified labeling it misinformation. Uh, In this particular case, uh, you have these deep state guys, uh, Jim Clapper and uh, John Brennan's, you know, among others, hanging their hat on or saying that, um, you know, it had all the hallmarks of misinformation. So they didn't come right out and say it was misinformation. They said it had all the hallmarks of misinformation.
3: And, of course, it also gave a rationale, as I said before, to the entire media, the legacy media, uh, not to publish this story at all, or at least to scoff at it. Remember when uh, sixty minutes had the interview with Donald Trump when he was still president. He brought up the story, and Leslie Stahl who was working for sixty minutes said oh mr president that's that hasn 't been verified that's a, she she just totally dismissed it, which is what the rest of the media did in tandem so it was it was it really was a collusion between the folks running Twitter at the time, the media, and that deep state group that was that was determined to to get Joe Biden to win the election.
1: yeah, I remember when this happened. And I, I don't think she said it hadn't been verified. I think she, what she said is, oh, Mr. Pres- Mr. President, that's misinformation. That's Russian misinformation. And she kind of got in a little back and forth with him and even quoted the, the 17 or whoever, 50 you know, national security uh, personnel that signed off on it. And so, yeah, this was a, this was a collusion um, between Twitter and the media and the government uh, they wanted Joe Biden elected. They did not want to see another presidency uh, of Donald Trump, period. This this reminds me of, uh, to me, this is one of the more dangerous things about the Democratic Party. Uh, they had this, uh, it kind of comes from that whole Saul Alinsky background, but they had this ends justifies the means kind of culture. And they don't believe in principle. They just believe in Doing whatever they have to do to get the result they want, and they justify it by by saying the ends justify the means. In other words, it's for the greater good. Uh, but if you if you have to, I don't know, kill a bunch of people uh, to try to preserve some sort of greater good, then that's that's just another that's totalitarian. That's those those are tyrants. Okay. Um, I just, I just think that's one of the bigger problems with, the, with the Democratic Party. Now, I think both parties are a problem. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't particularly care for the Republicans either, and we've discussed all the reasons on this program. But this ends justify the means uh, way of being is is extremely dangerous, and and they just they had decided that whatever they had to do to make sure Donald Trump wasn't going to be president again was worth it. If we had to, you know, falsify some FISA documents and create some uh, wiretaps on Donald Trump and Donald Trump's campaign, then so be it. If we've got to interfere with the media by co-opting Twitter to do what we want them to do to control the narrative twenty days before the election, then that's what we got to do because we don't want Donald Trump to be president. If we've got to, you know, have this Mueller report go on for two and a half years, to sideline Donald Trump's effectiveness as president, then that's what we got to do. And so all this stuff that they did against Donald Trump was just, you know, the ends justify the means. The end being that no matter what we have to do, Donald Trump can't be president. And we're seeing that now with the raid on Mar-a-Lago. I mean, that's all but disappeared. Have you noticed? Um, That's faded into obscurity. Why? Because they weren't going to do anything about that. There's there's cases and cases of presidents keeping documents um, after they left the office. And so there was no case there, but it's just disappeared into obscurity.
5: And so now, you know, some of this is being shaken loose, obviously, by Elon Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter, but also by the Republican takeover of the House. Republicans have made clear that they are going to investigate the Hunter Biden story. And if you Mm -hmm. listen to James Comer, who's going to be the chairman of the House Investigations or Oversight Committee, uh, he explained it last week. He said, look, this is a Joe Biden story. We're not going to investigate how Hunter Biden led a depraved life as a crackhead. That's not the story. The story is whether his father, the vice president, profited, benefited, from the influence peddling that Hunter was doing at the time.
1: Yeah, I, for one, don't care about Hunter Biden's crackhead behavior and his, you know, sleeping with hookers in foreign countries and things like that. I don't give a shit about that. I want to know who used the power of government to either enrich themselves or inappropriately uh, harm other Americans. That's what I want to know. And of course, you know, now that Now that this is coming out, right, you got the Washington Post, the New York Times and CBS News have all come out with their stories about the laptop so they can be on the record saying, yeah, you know, we knew this thing was bad Uh, because if somebody were able to point to the New York Times and say, you haven't written a single story on this, then that would make them look bad, right? So they've all come out and they've, they've published their token stories on the Hunter Biden laptop and have called into question Joe Biden's, um, you know, his, the legality around his behavior. But this is all just to cover their ass. Uh, th- the writing is on the wall. And so they've got to, they got to do the CYA thing. The writing's on the wall. There's going to be investigations. There's going to be stuff coming out from Twitter. All this stuff is going to come out. So this is, uh this is what happens. The
5: You know, the political establishments. Uh, reaction to Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter has just been extraordinary. Uh, they they want to shut it down. They think it's going to implode in the next half hour. Uh, they think it's going to be a danger uh, to people. It's just extraordinary how, how viscerally they have reacted to this uh, change of management uh, at Twitter. My own feeling is, you know, we'll have to see how it works. Musk certainly has Uh, A record of accomplishments in uh, making electric cars and rocket ships uh, that's a very very impressive and you know in my view and certainly worth uh, giving him a chance to do something with Twitter but they when you get a reaction like this it tells you the degree to which the political establishment thought of Twitter as its own internal organ Uh, and now it's been taken over by an outsider so it must be investigated
1: Yeah, I agree. The reaction has been extraordinary, but, uh, this is kind of the version, uh, the little kid version of, you know, if you don't get your way, well, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home, you know, (laughs) I mean, they want to, they, if they can't have it, if it can't be their tool, uh, with which to manipulate the public and to sway the media, well, then they don't want anybody to have this tool. Least of all, uh, you know, the American people. Uh, They don't want you to be able to speak. Um, Only people that have a large megaphone, which by the way, people that have large megaphones are the ones that can be manipulated. They're the ones that can be bought off. And of course, the government knows this, right? I mean, look at Disney. The entire company of Disney is woke. Well, they can be bought off, you know, they can be they can get favorable treatment, whether it be taxes or some other relief from regulation that they would otherwise have to endure. Uh, so this is, this is why they fall in line. They have something to lose. And, and, of course, your average American has something to lose, too. But if enough Americans are talking in unison about something, you know, they can't come get all of us, right? There's just, there's no way. I mean, if you've seen some of these movements in, like, Brazil or China, where massive numbers of people, you know, pour out into the streets and stuff, it's just uncontrollable. There's no way, there's no way you, you don't have enough people in the government to control those kinds of things. So, anyway, I thought, um, I thought this would be an interesting story to bring to everybody's attention. We're going to have to watch it closely as it unfolds and uh, keep our fingers crossed that uh, Elon Musk prevails. All right, well, look, uh, we've been going now here for about 31 and a half minutes. And uh, thank you for coming in today. I hope you've enjoyed the program. If you've enjoyed it a lot, you know, share the show. Tell your friends about who gets to decide. Tell your family members. Uh, But, you know, who gets to decide is really what America is about, right? Uh, The point of that title is who should decide for you, you know? Well, you should decide for you. And, you know, if we're going to make something illegal or take some right away from people, who should get to decide about that, you know? Um, and so it's really a commentary on individual liberty and uh, uh, just individualism in general. Uh, so I hope you hope you like the programming. I hope you hope you continue to come back. And, of course, as always, if you... Come back tomorrow. Uh, I'll have a whole new show for you. We'll see you then.